Welcome to the Scoop and School podcast. Do they worry you a little? Are you worried? Ridiculous, Morgan. My boy. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Your host, Stephen Kahn. What's happening, everybody? And welcome to week three of the college football season. Hope everyone had a great weekend. I, uh, I know I certainly did, celebrating producer John on his bachelor party. Uh, hung out with a lot of friends, so so great to uh, great to see everybody. Shout out uh, shout out to anyone who, uh, who might be listening now that was part of the fun out at ND. Uh, even though you know what was going on on the football field might not have been so fun all the time. Uh, I, I I try hard, despite the fact I obviously know uh, much more about Notre Dame football than I do about, you know, any other team or or the landscape at large, I very much try to make this a national college football podcast and not focus too much on MD. But unfortunately, uh, the way things have been going here, I just feel like people want me to to comment on on the state of the team. Had had this been a, you know, 17, 21 point win, something like that, would have said, hey, Notre Dame won, let's move on. But there are things to talk about. So once again, I'll, I'll open the show with ND. Um, and if, if you want to skip ahead, go for it. If you want to leave after that, that's fine too. I'm just going to get talking. And let's again, start with the good. Um, and, and in this case, maybe not even the good, but maybe let's lay out some potential excuses for, uh, for lack of a better word. And a reminder, they were operating on a very short week, you know, getting back to, to South Bend you know, between about 4 and 5 a.m. on Monday of last week, where, you know, on the flip side this week, they were, quote-unquote, back in South Bend by, you know, 6.30 p.m. when the game ended. So essentially, um, you know, a day and a half worth of, of extra prep time going into this week could lead to a better performance. Secondly, Toledo, very solid team. We said that last week. Might be, you know, similarly uh, good to what they're going to see this week against Purdue. My, my bigger concern there is that while Toledo might be a pretty good team, I just kind of don't think they played very well. Um, certainly missed some open receivers on throws and things like that. So um, so that is is something of a concern if you're Notre Dame. But um, another positive, you got the win despite having three turnovers, and all three were costly turnovers. Uh, two of them were like inside the the opposing 25 or 30 yard line um, early in downs, you know, probably on plays that would have gotten uh, first downs. And one was a pick six. So you could say that uh, easily could have been about a 21 point swing just on those three turnovers, maybe even more when you kind of think about how the game was going. So that's something to note as well. And then the most important one, and I'm going to I'm going to hopefully keep saying a lot this season is that they won. Um you know, I think back to 2016, uh, which is the last time Notre Dame was not particularly great. I mean, they've had a run here of, of four really successful seasons. And in 2016, we saw these two games play out. Uh, you know, Florida State, pretty easy to draw the lines to that Texas game. And then uh, this this Toledo game, pretty easy to draw parallels to Duke. And we saw them lose both of those games in 2016. Um, and, and so far they've, they've essentially won those two here in 2021. So who knows when, when you're looking at the 2016 season, I was looking at that schedule and through 11 games, they, they got blown out at the end of the year by USC, but through 11 games, Notre Dame was four and seven and all seven of those losses were like, how did we blow that game? 
you know, it, and it was just, it was just a constant worst case scenario situation. And maybe Notre Dame paid, paid the piper in 2016 so that they can live a, a, a more charmed life here in 2021. So who knows that that's certainly, if you want to take the positive view, they're just going to keep winning. Who cares how it looks? And they can keep winning these games where we're saying, how did they do that? On the less positive side, the offensive line is worse than I thought after week one, and it's which which was worse than I thought going into week one, and even then was what I thought was going to be a weakness. So it's flat out bad. It's not just bad for, you know, relative to where Notre Dame has been. It's not a good offensive line. They sustained another injury there, so they're now down to their third left tackle, although watching pretty closely, I'm not even sure that's really the problem. Almost everyone on the line is getting beat up. Uh, the interior with the guards has been a real problem. So will be interesting to see what Notre Dame does going forward. You know, possibly if they get a little healthier at the tackle position, can they kick some of those tackles into guard and reshuffle a little bit? Have to see what's going on there. But right now the offensive line is really bad, and that's only going to become more and more of a problem as we get deeper into the season. Uh, the another Another potential concern is that the defense continues to give up big plays. Uh, you know, I, I've already talked a little bit, bit about the linebacker depth, which, uh, you know, run fits, things like that, could be leading to some problems. And I think we're learning there are just very few good players in this secondary. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I'll talk, I'll talk a little bit more about the defense in a second, but I'm not terribly worried there. And then the last item on the bat is that Florida State is – seems to be, you know, worse than we thought. And, and I don't, you know, who knows what you came out of that first game thing about Florida State, but either way, they, they just lost to Jacksonville State by the same score or by the same margin that they lost to Notre Dame. So that's a concern if you're Notre Dame. Now, just kind of on the general side, um, before getting into Purdue, you know, we saw Tyler Buckner in this game. He, he looked pretty good. He was certainly productive and, and helped the offense in a time when things were really difficult and they were having trouble moving the ball. Um, one way to kind of make up for, for a bad offensive line is with a mobile quarterback, and Tyler Buckner gets you that. Now, I am still a little bit concerned about some of his throws. I believe his first pass attempt, which was a completion to the right side to Braden Lindsay. If you watch that play again, I mean, that could have been a pick six also. Just fortunately, sort of one of the defensive backs kind of didn't get his head turned around and turned into a nice play. But that's a little bit concerning. So I'm, I'm still not sold that he can just run the offense from the pocket for like an entire game the way he might need to. But he can definitely help. And and Jack Cohn remains, you know, a, a really strong player for this team. Obviously, the pick six was was tough, but uh, he's he's playing really well. So both guys are going to help. I mean, this is going to be a situation where they use both quarterbacks and, and use them both you know, a fair bit. So I think the fans, that, that can drive the fans a little bit crazy when you're switching back and forth. And it just kind of gives the, the armchair uh, coach, you know, another opportunity to say, oh, this guy should be in here. This guy should be in here. But uh, I don't know, just sit back and enjoy it. You're going to see two very different styles of offense when those two different guys are in the game. And we'll have to see where it goes from there. Uh, going back to the defense a little bit, again, not terribly worried. I mean, Besides the fact that, yeah, I, I wish we had, you know, more of our linebackers not injured. Um, and I wish we had a couple better players in the secondary. But I think, you know, a couple tackles here and there. And this defense is actually looking pretty awesome so far this season. It's just it's a couple of, of missed plays that I think they can get cleaned up 
as the year goes on. And then an idea that I heard uh, Pete Sampson, uh, you know, a Notre Dame beat writer, bring up, and I think it's a good point, is that there might be times when this defense does look worse than what we've seen in recent years. But perhaps we need to look at it as, you know, the defense under Clark Lee was good enough and, and maybe easier to help go 12-0 and in the regular season. But what it wasn't going to do was be good enough when you played the likes of Alabama or Clemson or Oklahoma or one of these other teams with these high-powered offense where you need to create havoc plays, you need to t- create turnovers, you need to create sacks. It can't be just bend but don't break against these really good teams because they will make you break. So maybe it's, you know, it's one step back trying to take two steps forward in the long run. Uh, and that's that's where we are with this defense a little bit. Last last miscellaneous item, just want to shout out Lorenzo Styles and Deion Colsey. Both got their uh, first catch in the Toledo game and, and a couple of receivers that hopefully we're hearing the names quite a bit over the next three to four years. So that brings us on to Purdue. Again, just while we're on the topic of Notre Dame, um, kind of going to wrap this all up and put a bow on it. You know, I... I really don't know what to think. Um, you know, only a seven and a half point spread. Um, this is this is a huge game for Purdue. Um, they haven't played since 2014. This is this is a big one on their side. Um, they're essentially coming off of a scrimmage against UConn. I I very much apologize for not giving that one out as one of my picks last week. Um, I think I mentioned a few of the reasons why I was scared off of it just a little bit. But uh, I, I expect this to be another close game. Um, you know, one uh, listener, Danny, asked me, uh, he asked me to cover whether Purdue's passing attack against Notre Dame's secondary was was the key matchup to watch in this game. And I, I don't know if it's the matchup, but it's certainly one of the two matchups to watch. Uh, I mean, David Bell is one of the very best wide receivers in the country. He's doing a great job for my fantasy team so far this season. Um, you know, this plumber kid is, is a pretty def- decent quarterback, and, and Brom can scheme it up to, to throw it all over the yard. So they're going to be taking a lot of shots uh, going, testing this Notre Dame secondary that I've mentioned has been a little bit weak. And it's going to really be on, incumbent upon Notre Dame's front seven to put pressure on Plummer and not let him stand in the pocket and deliver passes to David Bell all day long, because David Bell will beat them over the top, if not, you know, possibly two or three times. And that's going to be a big problem. The other um, huge matchup to watch, George Karloftis, defensive end for Purdue, one of the best rush ends in the country. And again, we've, we've spent the good chunk of, of the early part of this podcast talking about Notre Dame's offensive line being really weak. Um, so can they keep him uh, out of the defensive backfield? These are just, I don't know, in the, in the two key areas, I, I really give advantage Purdue with, with David Bell over the top and George Karloftis attacking the quarterback. Uh, both of these guys are, are local kids. Um, David Bell seemed to never have much interest in Notre Dame. Um, and George Karloftis, bit of a story there in terms of, uh, I think he camped at Notre Dame. You know, there was a lot of mutual interest. And then he kind of had a real dud of a performance uh, leading to yeah, a sort of a, a lack of interest going forward. So he's probably playing with a bit of a chip on his shoulder in this one. I expect him to have a big game. And, you know, there have been times where I said, well, until Notre Dame, you know, loses to an unranked team or, or loses to someone that, that they're not supposed to, why would I ever pick that? Um, but unfortunately, I'm, I'm kind of in a place where until Notre Dame starts playing a lot better, and most importantly on that offensive line, I, I was looking at the schedule. If, if I don't pick them to win this game, you know, where where am I going to pick them to win again, um, you know, until probably Navy 
in early November. So a little bit stuck on this one. Um, I think this might just be a season where I'm just going to keep picking against Notre Dame and keep hoping they prove me wrong by about three points. Again, if Notre Dame comes out in this game and, and they win 42 to 14 and the offensive line gets things going and, and the defense, you know, shores up some, some things, then okay, then I'll say this team is improving uh, and there's reasons to be optimistic and, and then, you know, I'll, I'll get back on board. But right now, I just, I think Purdue is capable of playing a better game than Toledo did. And Toledo was in position to win that game. So with that, I'm going to, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pick uh, the Boilermakers 28 to 24 in this one. I just have a lot of concerns about this Notre Dame team. I, uh, I think anything from, from about 4 and 8 to 12 and 0 remains on the table. It's just a matter of, uh, I don't know, I, I expect pretty much everything other than Navy to be a one-score game. And, uh, and we'll see how things go from there. So that, that's it for the Notre Dame wrap-up, and, uh, and, and let's, let's get back to, uh, to week two, a little recap there. First things first, got to shout out the Aggies of Utah State getting to 2-0 with the 48-24 win on Friday night. They gave up 21 points in the first quarter, but then those linebackers, you could tell they really got coached up. Some major adjustments there. They settled down. Defense only gave up three points the rest of the way. Shout out to Utah State. Um, probably the biggest um, outcome of the weekend then on, on Saturday, Ohio State and Oregon. Uh, Got to admit, didn't, didn't see a moment of this game live, but, but you know, certainly saw the highlights and, and trying, to, trying to parse together what happened. And in some ways, it's sort of exactly what I expected, except for the exact opposite. Um, you know, I just thought that there's no way that Oregon would be able to keep up with with Ohio State scoring, and it was the flip side. And I just don't. I'm. I'm. The the talk here is about the Buckeye defense and and how they really were not able to stop C.J. Verdell, um, and and what's the problem there? But I think the more surprising thing from my perspective is actually the offense with no Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, they were missing another starter on the defensive line. And for for Ohio State to only score 28 points, and it's not like it was a bunch of turnovers. They threw one interception sort of on their final drive as they were as they were trying to tie it up late. But one turnover against this Oregon defense that was missing, you know, a, a top three NFL draft pick and multiple other starters, and only get 28 points, that's a little bit concerning to me, uh, you know, especially with with the skill position there and, and C.J. Stroud um, winning that job. It just, it raises some questions. So definitely, uh, definitely interested to see what Ohio State does moving forward. I mean, I'll remind you, I did not have them in my playoff. Um, I, 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 I have this, uh, I have this as the year that Michigan finally gets them. So talking about Michigan, now that Michigan-Washington game was really exactly as I was expected. Um, I, I urge listeners to play the under, and I hope uh, I hope you did, as Washington just couldn't do anything against a really strong um, Michigan front seven. Uh, you know, I mentioned Cade McNamara was just going to have to go out there and not turn the ball over, and and that's that's exactly what he did. He he only threw for for 44 yards, but didn't turn it over. And and Blake Corum, um, you know, might might be a bit, uh, you know, a, a, he might, he could be a household name, I'd say, um, by October if the Wolverines continue to play well, getting him out on short passes and, and handing the ball off, getting him out in space. He's doing a really nice job. Uh, just one one gripe from this game, and, and it's related to Coram, although not really his fault. 
But just a note for college football and referees, if a player, if an offense player tries to hurdle someone and they get absolutely stuffed and then the defensive player talks smack to the guy who just tried to hurdle him, maybe maybe don't throw the flag for unsportsmanlike conduct. I, I don't think that the defensive player in that case deserves unsportsmanlike conduct any more than the guy who just tried to jump over him and failed. So don't like that call. Again, I, I think all rules go out the window. If, if someone tries to jump over you and you stand up and throw them to the turf, I think you're pretty much allowed to say whatever you want at that point. But uh, Michigan going forward, you know, if, if there is a concern, it's, it's got to be uh, that passing game. I, I mentioned that uh, McNamara only threw for 44 yards. That was 7 of 15 for 44. And if you take out one 33-yard pass, it's 6 of 14 for 11 yards. Uh, obviously, Ronnie Bell lost for the season. He was their big play receiver. So we'll... Uh, have to see if Michigan can find anything in the passing game because I like the defense, I like the run game, but if they can't uh, if they can't get a little more going through the air, uh, they're not they're just not going to be able to beat the top teams uh, on their schedule. Uh, Texas A&M Colorado um, Aggies do get the win in this one, uh, scoring late in the fourth quarter after losing quarterback Haynes King earlier in the game. So definitely we'll have to monitor that offense um, throughout the season, but just I. I just don't. Uh, I don't think Texas A&M is is going to be a contender in the SEC West this year, as a lot of people were predicting. Iowa, Iowa State. Um, Iowa gets the comfortable win there. They're looking as good as just about anyone in the country. Um, you know, they they forced seven turnovers in the last two games, three defensive touchdowns, including. In this last one against Iowa State. So on one hand, that's really awesome. That's a dominant defense. On the other hand, is that sustainable? You know, three three defensive touchdowns across two games. You're, you're not going to keep up that pace. Can they win with more traditional methods? Nothing nothing says they can't. Um, Spencer Petrus has been, you know, a, a real nice, nice steadying presence at quarterback for them. So we'll be interesting to see how Iowa looks going forward on the Iowa State side of things, you know, it's got to be a huge disappointment. Um, I, I just, I guess it's it's a bit of a reminder of what I've sort of been saying and, and maybe need to remind myself um, since the 2019 Camping World Bowl. And that's just, Brock Purdy is not good. Uh, and I'm not even saying relative to expectations. He just isn't a very good quarterback. Uh, you know, the hype train got going just a little bit because you know, hey, it's Iowa State, and look at this upstart team, and they got this quarterback. But no, he's just not very good, and 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 that's that's it. Although, given my track record of once I really uh, take a crap on people or teams, they they turn around the next week and, and really get it going. So look for look for Purdy to really turn it on here um, over the next over the next month or so. Uh, Arkansas dominated Texas. A little bit of a welcome to the SEC moment. Um, you know, just I don't. Texas, the fact that Texas is one and one, I think you kind of just have to take that and move on. Um, they they actually announced a, a quarterback change. They're going to Casey Thompson, who, if you recall in our preview pod, I I said I th- I thought he was really good. He was he was part of the reason why I was saying I think Texas could have a nice nine and three season. Um, so I'm actually happy to see that change. I think he and Bijan Robinson together in that backfield can be a really dynamic duo. And uh, I just I love the way things are setting up for Texas to knock off Oklahoma in Red River in a couple of weeks. On the other side of that one, I mean, for Arkansas, do we 
do we start paying attention to them as as a team that that could upset someone in conference? I mean, they've got they've got uh, they've got Georgia, they've got Alabama, they've got Texas A and M all on the schedule. Throw in Ole Miss and Auburn. I mean, that's that's a lot of currently ranked teams. And which one? You know, what's what's sort of the best level of team that they can put a scare into? Can they scare Alabama and, or Georgia? You know, can can they knock off Texas A and M? What's what's the deal there? So I think I think they're putting themselves on the radar of. Oh, you know who's who are the top teams playing this week? Oh, you see Georgia's playing Arkansas. Okay, that's officially that's officially a game that we need to pay attention to, and it's just uh, it's nice when when more and more teams put themselves into that kind of category. And I think Arkansas is officially there. What a great job by Sam Pittman uh, turning that program around in such a short period of time. BYU uh, snaps Utah's nine-game winning streak in that rivalry. Great job by the Cougars there. Um, you know, makes me a little bit nervous that, um, as a Jets fan, that, that they break that streak right after Zach Wilson leaves, but I'll give him a pass, um, given that the two teams didn't even play last season when, uh, when Wilson was enjoying his best year. Uh, Miami App State played a real tight game. Uh, Borgalis with the, uh, the late field goal to help, uh, the Hurricanes win that one. I gotta say I'm a little concerned about Miami. Uh, I would have expected to see more offense at this point. Uh, this this is a solid App State team, but again, Chase Price is the quarterback, and we know who Chase Price is, and 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 it's not very good. He he wasn't good at Clemson. He was even worse at Duke. Um, and you know this is a situation. Let's let's compare. For example, let's just look at Notre Dame Toledo and Miami Appalachian State, and kind of similar games in terms of sort of the back and forth nature of them. One of the, you know, maybe positives I took away from Notre Dame is that they, they had three really bad turnovers and still were able to win. This Miami game, they won the turnover battle one nothing, and and still had to kind of claw to this victory. So that's just a little bit concerning for me. Um, uh, you know, this is a team that I, I picked to, to have a pretty nice season and go to the ACC championship game. Um, we'll talk about them a little more coming up with uh, with their week three game. But, but just, I don't know, definitely... Uh, Definitely some some concerns, especially about De'Ara King and what's going on. I actually had to cut him loose from the fantasy team. He just uh, he he hasn't been getting it done. Um, and then uh, and the 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 last item on the docket for week two, my my big eating crow apology. I have to apologize to the Stanford Cardinal. Um, I I boy, they they came out and they made me look pretty stupid. Um, you know, crushed USC. Um, was it was it my words that motivated them? I'd like to think yes. Um, so maybe I owe the bigger apology to USC and the biggest apology of all to Clay Helton. Of course, we had the question uh, in, in before the season uh, from uh, from Tim on Twitter asking who was more likely to get fired during the season, uh, Jim Harbaugh or Clay Helton, and we have our answer. It was Clay Helton. USC is obviously a team known or firing coaches mid-season. So that was a very obvious answer. I'm glad we uh, glad we got there, you know, as early as we did. But uh, yeah, maybe maybe not going to have a playoff berth for the Trojans. And maybe Stanford's not quite as dead as I thought. All right, moving ahead to week three. Um, we got another bachelor party this weekend. So I don't know. My body is... My body is shutting down pretty hard. Um, I'm, I'm just in a, a state of constantly being completely tired, but mentally always ready to rage. Um, it's, it's a pretty confusing place to be right now. I end up drinking, I find out I, I, I drink a lot of Sprite Zero 
um, on, on my weeknights. I don't know what that means, but right now it just seems to be like the only thing that balances me is Sprite Zero. So uh, again, I don't really know where I'm going with this, but just to, to give you an idea of, I'm just, I am just so tired, folks. But I'm going to do my best to both do my duties as a member of this bachelor party and also watch college football so I can come back next Wednesday night and tell you guys about what I've seen. And the noon slate is pretty solid. Um, we've got Oklahoma and Nebraska. I, I only mention this one because, you know, it's an old rivalry and, and who knows, but boy, don't expect that one to be close. Cincy at Indiana. Um, Cincy is really looking the part so far. I mean, they, they haven't played great teams, but they're 2-0 and and they've, they've two really easy wins. They look good. I expect them to go in and beat Indiana um, and, and, you know, set up. Uh, then, then they get their bye before coming to play Notre Dame. I think the Cincy team is for real, um, you know, a legitimate top 10 type talent. And uh, I, I do think that they can go in and knock off the Hoosiers. Uh, we got Virginia Tech going to West Virginia. Opportunity to uh, to see if Virginia Tech is for real or if they just, you know, played one one great game against North Carolina. Um, and then and then in a really interesting game, Michigan State uh, going to Miami. This is this is a chance for both teams to kind of show what they are. Um, you know, Michigan State can they can they maybe make a leap in Mel Tucker's second season here? I really think, as I was talking about before, I think this is a critical game for Miami. Um, you know, if they win this one, then, you know, no harm in getting blown out by Alabama, no harm in the close win against App State. You win this one, you put yourself in position to go into the ACC schedule and have a really nice season. If you lose this one, then you're not where I thought the program was this season. You're not where I think a lot of people thought the program was this season. And I think there's a good chance that, uh, Again, we're we're a couple, I, I expect Miami to win this game, so let's let's get that on on the record. I, I'm picking Miami, but if Miami loses this one, I cannot imagine Manny Diaz still being the coach um, at the start of the 2022 season. So I, I think this is a really big game for Miami to have a little momentum going to the ACC schedule and uh, and have a chance at a really nice season. 3:30, um, you know. Certainly the game of the day based on, on rankings, although I'm not sure it's going to play out that way. Um, we've got Alabama at Florida. Um, so, you know, a solid test for Alabama. Um, Florida playing two quarterbacks, both Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson seems like the more dynamic guy. Um, sort of got a little bit injured um, during that South Florida non-cover, which just what an absolute debacle that was. Um, but it, it sounds like he's going to be good enough to maybe give it a go. Um, so expect both to play, but Alabama, there, there was a time when, when a mobile quarterback was kind of the way to get them, but I think there's just so much speed on this defense. Uh, we saw Alabama completely handle De'Ara King to the point that it was, it was not a problem at all. So until I have any reason to believe otherwise, I think Bama is going to pretty much roll everyone they play. Um, so I like them to, to handle Florida here. Um, and, and, you know, probably not going to be particularly close going into the fourth quarter. And then, uh, you know, 7.30, primetime game, Auburn at Penn State. This is kind of a fun non-conference matchup, um, you know, one that, uh, you know, one, one that we're not going to see a ton. Um, and, you know, a true, a true road game for Auburn, not some, uh, not some neutral sites. Always fun there. 
I don't know what to think in this one. Auburn's been incredible on offense, albeit against bad teams. Uh, Penn State's been fine. Again, we talked quite about quite a bit about them last week and, and what we thought we saw from that game against Wisconsin. The defense is certainly pretty good. Um, I, I think this is going to be a good game. I'll go ahead. I'll pick the upset here. I'll take Auburn um, under the under the premise that James Franklin is is thinking a little too much about about maybe taking that USC job and and not focusing enough on the Tigers coming into Happy Valley. So. We'll take the upset there. We'll go with Auburn, uh, and and that'll be the pick uh, for for the primetime game. As for my three picks this week, um, I gave them out on Monday on Twitter, um, and and one of them, if you waited until now, you're getting a much better number, and one of them, if you waited until now, you're getting a much worse number. So you take the good with the bad there, I guess. The one that you're getting the much better number, and obviously makes me a little bit concerned, I gave out Ohio State minus 27 against Tulsa. It's now down to 24 and a half that I'm seeing. I just, I expect this to be an angry Ohio State team. Um, you know, I, I really think the defense is going to play with a the fire. They, they can, despite what we saw against Oregon, I think they can pretty much score at will with those receivers against lesser opponents. This is the kind of game like a 56 to seven type score wouldn't surprise me. So I was really surprised by the 27, obviously, you know, very concerned that that number has dropped two and a half points, but I still like it at the 27, certainly like it at the 24 and a half. That's my first pick of the week. Second one, Ole Miss, uh, laying 14 against Tulane. With Ole Miss, the way I see it, a 14-point spread is like a two-and-a-half-point spread in, in the Big Ten. Um, you know, let's say we were talking about that, like Wisconsin-Penn State game. 14 and two-and-a-half, though that's like the conversion scale here. Um, I You know, that, that offense is going to keep humming along. I think Tulane kind of shot their shot against, uh, against Oklahoma, came up a little bit short, and uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to keep up with, with Ole Miss. I, I think they can certainly keep up early. You know, if this, if this game's like you know, 28-28, that wouldn't surprise me. But I also expect that to be the score in like the second quarter. And, and Ole Miss can ultimately get into the 50s in this one and, and keep Tulane in the 30s. And, uh, and that's where I like Ole Miss. And then the one that actually is, uh, is now three and a half points worse is the Army-UConn under. I gave it at 51 and a half, now down to 48. Um, you know, Army obviously takes a lot of time off the clock running the option. UConn takes a lot of time off the clock just being terrible. Um, I, I really, I can't imagine UConn getting over 14 points here, and even that might be a stretch. I think if we keep on Army under 40, um, I think I think that's a winner. And, and again, outside of uh, the occasional pass, uh, you know, they're, they're not going to look to run it up. They're not going to look to score quickly. Um, so I guess it's uh, just how bad is UConn's defense? How, how quickly can Army score? And ultimately, I, I do like... Uh, I do like that game to be under 51 and a half. 48 is a little scarier, not going to lie. Um, but but that's why you got to follow me, at StephenCon12 on Twitter. You get the picks a little bit earlier. You get to lock in those better numbers, unless, of course, it's Ohio State-Tulsa. Anyway, that's, uh, that's about it for the week. Hope everyone has a good one. Next week, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll obviously, we'll do the whole college football slate. Maybe talk a little Ryder Cup as, as we get into next week. Um, preparing for that. So looking forward to that. Uh, take care, every, everyone, and uh, I'll talk to you later. That concludes the Scoop and Score podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul.